This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We talk to experts, authors, and everyday Italian Americans on all things Italian from traditions, culture, food, genealogy, travel, and more. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me my co host, Dolores Alfieri, and we have another pretty interesting episode today diving into the world of travel. We're going to be talking with Kathy McCabe from Dream of Italy. Dolores, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Anthony. I'm pretty excited about this show. Kathy has like an enviable life and career. <laughs> she gets to go to Italy and do all these amazing things with locals. Like, you know, she cooks with people, she makes mosaics, she hunts for truffles, and then she gets a TV show made about it. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty cool. And she kind of went into that stuff on the interview and she also shared like a really, really kind of touching story about her family and her reconnection to her family in Italy, which we're going to feature in the Italian American stories at the end in our end segment of the show. But before I do that, I want to just mention some exciting news to share with you. We are going to have a partnership with the National Italian American Foundation. They're going to become an official sponsor of the podcast, which means effectively that we're going to work back and forth with them and if you haven't heard of the National Italian American Foundation, also known as the NIAF, you should check them out. They're really the voice of Italian Americans, and they do so much for us as Italian Americans. Dolores and I are both members, and if you're not a member, you should consider being one. And you're going to hear more about them from us going forward. Essentially, we're going to just tell you what they're up to in each one of our episodes, a real short segment. Dolores went there and visited with them. We met with them, and we're really excited about the partnership. Right, Dolores? Absolutely. Um, some great people there uh, working there. You know, they're not just working there like you and I, Anthony. It's a labor of love. They really believe in keeping a community together between all of us Italian-Americans. And they really believe in, in holding on to the traditions and also moving those traditions in that community into a dynamic living future. So I had a great time. And they're going to have a big gala in New York at the end of April that we're going to be there doing interviews. So there's really going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome experience, I think, for our listeners to be able to, just another angle that we're going to be able to take to be able to continue to talk to more Italian Americans about their heritage, about their background. So with that, we're going to dive into this interview with Kathy McCabe from Dream of Italy. And to bring us in, I'm going to give you a quote from Bertrand Russell, which is, Italy and the spring and first love altogether should suffice to make the gloomiest person happy. All right, now it's time for the main segment of our show today, and I want to introduce our, our guest who we're really excited to talk to here. Kathy McCabe. Kathy is the host and executive producer of the travel series Dream of Italy, showing on PBS stations around the U.S. and will continue airing through spring of 2017. The television series is inspired by the award-winning subscription travel newsletter and website Dream of Italy that Kathy founded in 2002. She is widely quoted in the international media on Italian travel topics and has published more than 125 editions of the award-winning subscription newsletter Dream of Italy which has helped thousands of people enjoy more authentic and rewarding vacations in Italy. And that's really what we're going to dive into with her today. Dream of Italy has been recommended for its savvy travel advice by National Geographic Traveler, USA Today, U.S. News & World Report, Business Week, and more. And McCabe and Dream of Italy were featured in the New York Times in June of 2015. 
Kathy began her career in journalism at ABC News, where she was part of an Emmy award-winning investigative team linking money and politics during the 1996 presidential election. She holds an MA in nonfiction writing from John Hopkins University and a BSFS in European Studies from Georgetown University. She grew up in New Jersey and now lives in Denver and visits Italy frequently. Kathy, welcome to the Italian American Podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. My favorite topic ever. (laughs) (laughs) Same here. (laughs) (laughs) Kathy, before we dive in here to all things kind of dream of Italy, tell us a little bit about growing up as an Italian American, maybe whether it's traditions or just some of the things that you remember about your, your background. Well, my story is somewhat interesting because my, so it was my great grandparents who came here and in sort of one of the first waves in the in the 1880s, 1890s. So my grandparents were born in the U.S., as was my mom, who's of Italian descent. And my grandfather worked on the railroad, and there was a lot of discrimination. So he became pretty Americanized. But at home, he still cooked like an Italian. He had a garden. I went to my grandparents' house every day as a child because that was my daycare. My mom, my parents worked. And so my grandparents would speak Italian to each other when they, or, or some of the dialect when they didn't want me to know what they were, what they were talking about. And <laughs> so I really kind of grew up with a lot of those attributes of an Italian-American family. But I wouldn't say that my grandparents identified as strongly as many Italian-Americans do, because they were born here. And so it's really when I went back to Italy to find the town that I was from that I, that I sort of made the full connection. You're kind of bringing it back full circle in a sense. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. As I think a lot of people are these days. I, yeah. I'm not the only one that I know of who kind of has been searching for their roots or identifying more with their roots. And I think Italians have had a rocky road. It was not cool to be Italian for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. um, now it's, you know, oh, everyone loves Italy, but it was pretty rough for the for a long time for Italian-American immigrants. Yeah, certainly we talk about that often on the show. And definitely one of the reasons we do the show is actually for people like you, right? This generation that maybe the family did Americanize a little more for whatever reasons, right? To survive because they wanted to be more American and how much gets lost in that process. And then, you know, another generation comes around and says, you know, but that belongs to me and I want to know more about it. Yeah, it's definitely something I've noticed is quite a trend. Wonderful. Yeah, and Kathy, you and I are really on the same page in that respect. My great-grandparents were also born in Italy. My grandparents were born here. And, you know, I started speaking with my grandmother about all this, which kind of led to wanting to learn more and wanting to eventually do this podcast so I can definitely relate. And and again, they spoke Italian around the house. And I I agree, Dolores, it's kind of like, you know, you want to get back now. You want to continue to get back and teach kind of like my kids about this stuff. So that's good to know right from the beginning. And Kathy, many people know you probably from your television show, Dream of Italy. Kathy's show, if you haven't watched it, she focuses on it's a travel show to Italy, but it's different than a lot of the travel shows or travel guides you might have seen where that Kathy focuses on the very authentic side of Italian travel, meaning 
that her show covers not necessarily like a downtown of a major city like Rome, but it might be go 30 minutes outside or 20 minutes outside to different locations in Italy so you can get that really authentic feel for it. So, Kathy, why don't you tell us how you got interested in, in Italian travel? Well, my story is pretty long, but it was by... So when I graduated from college, my mom wanted to take me on a trip to Europe. I'd been to Europe before, but we wanted to go to Italy. And so... I had done a project in high school where I had traced my ancestors to this small town called Castelvetere Solcalore, which is um, near Avellino in um, near Naples, which that area is home to a lot of a lot of people immigrated from that area to the United States. So my mom was game for this adventure and this is 1995 and you couldn't just look everything up on the internet. So I went to like the Italian tourism bureau and they had phone books for the area. And I photocopied the phone section for Castelvetere and my mother and I showed up in this little town and literally just showed up these two blonde women. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it's a very long and wonderful story, but I rediscovered the place that my mother's father's family was from. So I became really interested in Italy and I was working in journalism in my 20s and every vacation I took, I would go to Italy. So I would often I went back to this town, but I would go back to the town for a couple of days and then I'd go to Sicily or I'd go to Tuscany or at each trip I would go somewhere else. And my last job working for someone else, I worked in USA Today's travel section And so I definitely noticed there were a lot of people like me who would go back to Italy. Italy is a place Americans especially return to. They don't just go once. And so I thought there was this market for a publication that really focused on Italy and Italy travel and especially for repeat visitors. And I started Dream of Italy 13 years ago. Wow. I think that, you know, people have a great passion for Italy even if they're not able to go back or able to go back every year, they like to read about it. They like to immerse themselves in it. Interestingly, I'd say, and this is probably true for most of the time I've had the newsletter, it's not Italian. You know, definitely people who are Italian-American subscribe or get it. But, you know, Italy appeals to everybody. And so there's just many, many people who wish they had Italian blood. So we can right. count ourselves lucky that we <laughs> have some. To your point about, you know, the just the love of Italy, we spoke to author Adriana Trigiani. Oh, I love a, her. And I love yeah, her. Yeah, she was terrific. We had a terrific two-part episode actually with her. And she talks about the fact that just knowing that Italy is there gives her peace. Aww. And she just says she's, she'll lay in bed at night and she'll just think of like the blue oceans and various other things about Italy. And it, it gives her peace and it makes her feel like whole in the world. It's beautiful. So Kathy, you kind of explain here what made you interested in Italy. And I agree, there are a lot of people that travel to Italy, Italian Americans, and, and of course others. And what's interesting though about what you do is the fact that you go kind of off the beaten trail and then you try to find these different treasures. And I've watched different show episodes and it's really interesting. Tell us what made you take that approach. Well, I think that people are longing for that. I mean, there's definitely been a trend in, in it, certainly in all the years I've been doing the newsletter that, you know, people would go on packaged, which I have nothing against package tours, but people would sort of do a very set itinerary when they were going anywhere, including Italy. And I think the world or people become more adventurous. 
and the world has become smaller and uh, we, we see all these places on TV. And, and so we become a little more adventurous to go off the beaten path. What I'm trying to say also, it's not just with Dream of Italy. I think this is a general trend, or even with Italy, I think it's a general trend, travel trend in, across the board. My first trip to Italy included going and finding my family. So that was an incredibly personal experience. And it really was, even if they weren't my family or, or related or people from the town, you know, interacting with locals really makes a difference and gives you a new perspective. So I've always tried when we're uh, producing the newsletter to find the locals that people can interact with from even just tour guides. You know, it doesn't have to be that you're going and finding, you know, digging up some stranger to, to help you. I think even interacting with tour guides, taking cooking lessons, there's easy ways to meet locals and you learn so much more about a place. Hmm. It's a more authentic kind of experience of the area. Right. I was actually going to ask you about that. So have you reconnected with your family members in Italy through all your trips and the program and the newsletter? I did. So I, the day that my mom and I went, so my mother's maiden name is Nargi, which is N-A-R-G-I. And they only come from this town. And um, my grandfather had red hair and blue eyes and my mother's full Italian and blonde and I'm blonde, but I'm, I'm half Irish. But when we went back to the town, I think we had sort of known this because my grandfather actually would tell people he was Austrian when he was working on the railroad. It wasn't like so off the truth because we found out we found out for sure when we went back to this town that our family were Norman invaders and were originally from northern Germany and had sort of the Normans all moved down and or, or invaded southern Italy like a thousand years ago. So we discovered a lot about our family history and if you go to this town, probably 20% has, of the town has this name. And we met two older gentlemen who, um, one had written a book about the town, and they were Nargis, and they took us under their wing. And I actually went back four or five times while Manfredo, who was one of the men, was still alive. And he died in 2002, and I haven't been back since he died. But... I'd really like to maybe do a new, when we do another season of the show, I'd actually really like to go back to the town. I've, I've always meant to go back, but I was very sad about the loss of this cousin and it just didn't feel like it would be the same. Mm. So it's, I sort of have wrestled with it and, but I think it would be really interesting to take viewers to this town because I think that my story is representative of a lot of people's stories. Yeah. Yeah. I think people would love to see that too, you know, kind of reuniting yeah, with I've your ancestors. Like, um, you know, one of the most popular issues I've done of Dream of Italy was on genealogy and citizenship and how to find your relatives and how to find the records you need and, and how to uh, apply for citizenship if you're eligible. And I technically, I can't believe I've never done it. I technically am. I believe eligible. And so I think it would be really neat to, to document the process of getting the records and applying to have the citizenship recognized. That would definitely be, be really interesting. So Kathy, tell us how you decide where to focus in Italy. Like, how do you pick one of these side cities or villages? How does that whole process look like? How do I pick it for the show or the newsletter? For both, but I mean, really, like for the show, when we see these, when we see these episodes, how do you eventually get to these locations? What drives you to those picks? 
a lot of it is based on the content of the newsletter and places that I had get gone and loved. Like I had been to Piedmont, I had been on a truffle hunt, I had been to the truffle auction. So we were recreating a lot of things that I'd already explored for the newsletter. But we also had a, an associate producer who lives in Italy who was great at coming up with additional segments. Or, you know, she'd call about the truffle auction and talk to them and get another idea for something else we could do. Mm. So it really was a combination of things that um, I'd already done for the newsletter and then some new ideas that we discovered along the way. Or even, you know, impromptu things that we, I'm trying to think of one that was totally off the cuff. But, you know, when you're there and filming, sometimes random things happen and you just go with it. Sure. <laughs> oh, I think we had a boat maker. We had an old boat maker in northern Italy on Lake Iseo in his workshop. And that was something that my co-producer just happened upon while we were filming something else. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Kathy, we talk a lot about, we talk a lot with our guests about this feeling that, you know, when it, whether it's when you go to Italy or even just being around other Italians, or even if it's, you know, watching the Godfather movies, that there's always this kind of certain indescribable sense within us, right? That you feel like you're home, or you feel like you're where you belong. It's like this feeling in your blood. And I wonder if, you, if you've ever kind of felt that when you're in Italy, or if you just want to talk to that point a bit, since you've traveled well, it's there so, so funny much. you say that, because... Um... What I usually tell people is when I went back to Italy that first time in 1995, I felt like I was in my grandparents' living room. Mm, there you go. And, like, that's just the simplest, easiest way to explain. I just always feel better when I go to Italy. And I always feel comforted. And I, I do feel like I've gone home or I'm home. And so it was all those things that my grandparents embodied, you know, their warmth and yeah. comfort and very simple pleasures and maybe even a little bit of crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. We all and have I a little Italians, that. Italians, they say this with great love. Or they're insane. Right. I love so much. Yeah. So all those things are very familiar. And, and is it kind of across the board as, you know, meaning like whatever part of Italy you're in, is there still kind of that feeling regardless? I really, I, really, I mean, I love all of Italy and it feels like picking children to say, Mm. I love this part of that part, but I truly, truly, truly love the South mm. in a way that I can't, you know, and that probably does have to do with my heritage and it probably does have to do with it still, you're probably more likely to find some of the old ways there, right. but there's also incredibly innovative people too, doing really interesting and new things. And it's not as easy sometimes because it's not the easiest area of Italy to live in. So the people who are innovating are really, you know, going across the really they're challenged. And that makes it all the more interesting and compelling. We also talk a lot about the difference between, you know, northern Italy and southern Italy and and for that matter, northern Italians and southern Italians. In my experience, I mean, I. My family is from the South as well, actually from the areas around Avellino as well. There really is a warmth in the South. There's something, I think that when people are thinking about that kind of big, loud Italian American family, you know, you find that still in the South very much so. But I wonder if you'd mind talking to that point a little bit, the difference between the top half of the country and the bottom. Gosh, you know, it feels like such a landmine to talk about it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, Italy is still very, I'm looking for the word. I don't know what you call it. 
discriminatory or geographically discriminatory. Mm. And it's very interesting. I just had this conversation the other day. One time in Denver, there's a guy from Milan who owns one of the coffee shops. And I was going on a trip and I was going to Puglia and I was telling him I was so excited to go to Puglia because I love it so much. And he's like, oh, do you need a passport to go there? Oh, boy. (laughs) It's so funny because the person I was just talking to said somebody said from the north said something similar to Mm -hmm. her. So traditionally, of course, the south was poor, didn't have as many resources. The mafia was more present in the south. And so many people, you know, left the South to go work in the North. And these aren't problems that have really been solved. Right. And it's really interesting also watching immigration and the refugees in Italy, because when they're moving into, you know, they're moving into these towns and cities. It's a very interesting development because some of these towns in the South were They haven't had a baby born in 20 years because everyone moved to the North or moved to America or moved to Germany to work. Some of these towns have really welcomed immigration and immigrants, even from Africa, to bring life back to the towns. Mm. And it's just really interesting to watch because Italy was such a homogenous place. Mm -hmm. And now, and I noticed that from when I've been going for 20 years, that's the biggest change that I've seen in Italy. So this little town where we went, we noticed after going for like four or five years, there were some Polish women who moved to the town and they were hired to take care of the old people, some of the old people, because people had left to go work. And so, you know, you would go to Italy and you would never see anyone who was from somewhere else. And now that's very common. Yeah. It's very necessary. Even though their economy struggles, they still need people to do these jobs. So it's an interesting because they were the ones who left and went to new places. And now they have people coming. It's an interesting thing to watch. But of course, you know, the South has always been sort of discriminated against. And that's still alive and well. But I think that there's also great success stories in the South. And I was just recently in Matera again, which is in Basilicata. And there's a great book for anyone who's really interested in what the South was like. It's called Christ Stopped at Eboli. As one of my favorite books. One of my books. favorite books. Me too. It, I agree with you that it will give a picture of an authenticity to people. Yeah. Yeah. And I went, I've been to the town where it. It's oh, a, really? It, yeah. And he I guess he's writing in the 30s. I mean, Southerners were considered just like savages mm. and not even being Christian. And so it's a great book for people to, if they're interested in this topic, to, it's a beautiful book as well. And, you know, every country we still have, we have all of our issues, longstanding issues in the United States. And this is just one that's in Italy. But it's been, it has been a fascinating society to watch over the last few decades because there's been so much change. There has. So it's and a country I, that doesn't really like to change. I mean, they're right. not, they like some, in some ways they do, in some ways they don't. Well, I would say for myself growing up, I would go to Italy with my family to the south, to these small towns. And I remember it was just only Italians. And I would it was almost very interesting, of course, coming from America. You know, there's such a mixture of people. And then I have the same very much notice. I go back to these little small towns and you start seeing, I mean, skin colors, different ethnicities. And it's the first time I started to see it, it was almost jarring because it was just so out of what I had seen for, you know, years and years and years. So 
it is contributing to a lot of tension and turmoil. I mean, if it was surprising for me to to see, imagine living there, you know, after all these years. So it's definitely going to make a change in Italy and actually wonder what you think that means for the kind of authenticity of the country, right? This idea that everybody has of this Italy, what's going to happen in that case? Well, it's really interesting. I've noticed when I've been uh, gone to Rome the last few times and I've stayed in some nice hotels and almost each time the person behind the desk was Russian or Eastern European. And it's weird because I think it's cool but then I'm like, wait, but I want it to be, an, especially if I'm a traveler, I want it mm-hmm. to be an Italian because I'm right. like looking for this. But, you know, that part of the economic change and that a lot of actually visitors to Italy now are Russian. So, you know, there's a reason they have somebody behind the desk who can speak Russian. You see it, especially in the cities, it's becoming more like more of a melting pot. And mm. that could probably bring some really interesting changes that I think societies can't be so closed and homogenous. So, but it, it may not be exactly the experience that people would expect. So, if you're going on your tour and the tour guide isn't Italian, you do you feel like you're missing something? And we recommend we have two issues about best tour guides in Italy, and some of the ones we have in there are American expats. So, do you always have to be with a local? I don't know right. if that's true. I think you can have a nice mix. But I will say this is along those lines. I'm sort of thinking out loud. When we did the TV show, we had something of a rule that we were only going to feature Italians. And we made one exception for Nora Kravitz, who Kravitz, who's lived in Tuscany for decades. She has a Chianti cashmere farm and her, her story is really incredibly compelling. What she's built there, people that were expats, that would have been great showing us Rome, but we decided to keep it completely Italian. And you know, there's a number of people, again, we just were discussing, like, I don't know if you know, or if your listeners would know, Michelle, her name is Michelle Fabio, and she runs a great blog called Bleeding Espresso, and she also has a publishing company, and she grew up in the United States, but she went back to her home village in Calabria. And she was a lawyer. She went to Duke Law School and she decided to move to this little town. Hmm. And she met somebody in the town and they have a daughter. And so she's living in the place that her literally right in the place that her I think it was her grandparents left. Wow. So it's really interesting to see people who have gone back. Yeah, I think to continue that a bit, that we kind of have this ongoing narrative through the show about what America gives us, right? And also what it takes from us as Italian-Americans. I think what we're starting to kind of, if there's like a thesis, right? We're kind of starting to form through all our conversations with people is that we've been successful, right? As Italians in this country, you know, there's kind of been enough generations for most of us to be successful as our grandparents or parents or great-grandparents wanted us to be, that now we're almost wanting to return to those family ties, the community, the things that mattered before we pursued more American ideals. Yeah. And I think in general, people in general are probably looking for that, even if they're not Italian-American. We, it's a product of modern society and the isolation we have, even though we're also connected, more connected in certain ways. And I think it it's almost like the more 
even in the 13 years I've been doing the newsletter, it's almost like the fever pitch hunger for it is just even more than it was 10 years ago, I think. Mm. Mm. Especially for people, and we're doing a special issue in the spring on taking your children to Italy. And I think that lots of people, Italian-American or or not, are bringing their kids to Italy because it's such a special experience and something they want to share with them. We're bringing our kids there this summer, so I'll definitely be interested in that. And and exactly for the reason of exposing them to it, we're going to go visit some family that we also reconnected with. So we're definitely looking forward to that. And kind of along those lines with regards to the fact that you've been doing this for a while now, Kathy, I'm interested to hear... You, know, you were writing this newsletter for a while, and then the TV show, the PBS show, is relatively new. How did that happen? How did you go from doing this writing to getting the show? Because I'm sure that's not an easy process. What went into that? It is sort of a long story. I had connected with somebody who had produced a series like 10 years ago on Tuscany, and he was looking for a new project and thought the Dream of Italy would make a, a good basis for a TV show. And it also has a name and people know, know of it. And when you produce a show for PBS, you have to raise money from corporate sponsors. And so we were able to get the money to fund the show. We had three wonderful sponsors, Viator, Perillo Tours, and then Ama Waterways was our other sponsor. You know, as many things in life, it's finding the money and the resources to create something. And then we did it very quickly. One of the sponsors wanted it on at a certain, or wanted, wanted the show to be, to air within a short time. And so we did the show very quickly, probably record time. So I'd say from when he came to me with the idea until the first show, it was a year, which is, yeah. (laughs) So I think everyone who worked on the project, it was one of the fastest projects that, they've ever done. But it's very funny. When I had the idea for Dream of Italy, the initial subscription newsletter, it was May and I launched it in September. So I'm very, when I decide or I'm determined it, it often, I do things very quickly. Kathy, before you connected with the gentleman who was the director or the producer of the show, did you have visions about a TV show? Did you ever think of that before? Did that just... You know, I did, especially because I used to work, I started my career in, in television. So I used to work at ABC and I worked for, I moved to London and worked for a television company there and I freelanced for CNN. And so my background was in TV. I did, I thought about it, but I hadn't actively, actively pursued it until this opportunity came along. I mean, it's a no brainer because it's the most beautiful place ever. <laughs> right. So it's just, it kind of writes itself. And I know lots of people, like when you watch Rick Steves, he's always in Italy. And I think his Italy episodes are probably his most popular. And I think actually his Italy guidebook is the most popular one that he has. So there's a great hunger for Italy. Yeah. Well, we, we certainly commend you. I mean, I think it's another example of an Italian American rolling up their sleeves and diving into, I mean, let's be honest, like you just said, I mean, there's a lot of guidebooks, there's a lot of TV shows on Italy. It's not an easy market to kind of jump into and then all of a sudden have a TV show. So you've done a great job in getting all this stuff together and being able to pull, get the show out there. I congratulate you for that, for sure. Thank you. Where do you see Dream of Italy going from here? I mean, obviously you've got the show that's going to be going on still. You're still doing the newsletter. Any projects you're working on, any any goals you have for it that you could share? 
Gosh, you know, I, I think it's just more of the same. I'd like to continue to be a resource for people when they're planning their trips. I think it's become, you know, their information is just flying left and right. And so it's not that there's like a lack of Italian travel information out there. I think there's, it's what I try to offer and sort of anything new that I would offer is somebody to handpick it for you. And I think that's been a big trend in travel. You can spend days reading the internet and you can find all these places to go and things to do. And the TripAdvisor is a wonderful resource, but you're getting sort of a crowdsourced opinion. And, and I think that people are looking for that personal touch and that's something that Dream of Italy can offer. Like we don't write about everything. You know, I've done 125, 130 issues. It's impossible to cover everything. But what we do write about or choose are, are those really exceptional experiences. And so I think that that's what Dream of Italy represents, sort of this hand-chosen group of things that you can go and do on your next trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show really feels curated. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And yeah. some of the things we do, I mean, with that, you know, if you watch the Piedmont episode, one of my favorite segments in the whole season is the truffle hunting. And I went truffle hunting with those two brothers 10 years ago. Wow. And I always remembered them because they're absolutely adorable and should have their own show. <laughs> and one of my greatest, my greatest passions after Italy is dogs. So that was like my dream experience. Right. And so I think that's a good example of some of the things that Dream of Italy offers. And you can even find lots, you can Google and find lots of truffle hunting experiences, but you wouldn't know like, oh my God, these brothers. Right. They're just like half of the experience is hanging out with them. So I'm always happy to find new people that to who have this passion for Italy. And there's so many Italian, I mean, we're talking about Americans who, but I think that this really comes through in the TV show. And I feel like it's half, you know, I have to tell you the cowboys in the Tuscany episode, like I cannot get through that segment and not like weep because they're so proud of what they do. But we talk about Italian Americans being so proud. Oh my God. You know, the Italians have such deep, deep pride in what they do and in preserving their culture and arts. And there's just, we're doing a story in this month's newsletter about a 28 year old shoemaker in Orvieto who just decided he wanted to be a shoemaker and found a maestro to teach him. Hmm. So as much as we might lament, oh, things are getting lost and Italy will never be the same and Italy's going to change, that's not really true because there's so many Italians who are rising to the occasion and doing new things and and also preserving their heritage. Yeah, everyone looks genuinely joyful to be showing you whatever you know you're in the That's middle of doing saying the pride you know yeah. the pride and and a lot of people in the show I'm thinking of Busati in Tuscany you know they I don't know how many hundreds of years their family's been making these textiles it's just in their blood and I think that really comes through and I think that's another reason that people want to go to Italy to we don't have that you know we have a couple hundred years but we just don't have that depth in the United States, that true, true, true depth of longevity. And I think, you know, that's that's why people go to Europe. They just crave that. Uh, I watched one of your episodes the other night. 
don't remember what town it was, but you were uh, making the pasta with cheese dish with these two. I don't know if it was brothers. That's my like second favorite segment. That's um, we're making cacio e pepe in Rome. Yes. Okay, so they're, they're brothers too. I guess I really like brothers. These are younger <laughs> brothers, and they are electric. They're fantastic on TV, and it's a very simple dish, but it's a traditional Roman Roman dish. They were so good, though. They were so like they yeah, they were they interacted with you so well, and the recipe was fairly simple. But when you asked them, you know, they kept saying like it's it's the secret ingredient is love is, is love. love, and he and there is you know he sounds like oh you think oh he's so cheesy, but, but no no pun intended, but it's true, it's true because <laughs> there's it's cheese passion. in the dish. That's what you meant. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's passion, and that restaurant, and that's a you know. That's a great place to go if you're ever in Rome. It's called Da Enzo, and it's in Trastevere, and there's always a line because there's like ten tables. But it's a great, a great place to go. But that, you know, passion. I always thought Dream of Italy. You know, was a great. If I did anything right, it was that name. But mm. you know, if somebody did something with the word passion in Italy, that would make a lot of sense too, because it is a place of great passion. Yeah, definitely. That's what I saw in those when they interacted with you for sure. So as, as we kind of round up here, what what is a message that you can give to Italian Americans that maybe haven't been back to Italy yet? They're thinking about going. What can you tell them kind of in a few sentences? Well, you know, I think it's a little scary to some people to maybe go back to the town that their family came from or or they don't know how to do it. There's lots of reasons, right? Like or they don't speak Italian. But I would really recommend that as an experience. If you're Italian-American, if you feel any connection to your family, if you're going to go to Italy, you should give it a shot. And if any of your listeners email me, which uh, my email is Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at dreamofitaly.com, I'll send them the issue we did on genealogy. And I also, a friend of mine, Gaetano Petrillo, he runs a tour company called The Wine Bus, and he'll find your living relatives and he'll call them. Oh, wow. And set up wow. a meeting <laughs> and he'll go with you and translate. And there's also an American woman who lives in Calabria who does something similar and she's in the issue as well. But I think it's become easier. So it's really much easier than 20 years ago when I did it and looked, you know, went to the tourism board in New York City and photocopied the telephone book to see what the names were. I think it's easier than ever to go to the place where your family was from. And I think it can be really, really, well, it was life-changing for me, but I would encourage people to try to do that because it just, it brings everything full circle. And I can't help but think, you know, your relatives, wherever they are, are very proud of what happened. Agreed. And you just mentioned just two incredible resources for people to help them do that. I mean, that's people who are there on the ground, get in touch with your yeah, um, ancestors you know, for you. Yeah. It's a big trend. I mean, I know a bunch, you know, I know a bunch of people that now offer tour guides that now offer this and genealogists that now offer this. And so if there was ever a time when it was easier to do it, it's now because this is really is a trend and people are hungering for this. So, you know, it might cost a bit of money. It, you might be going to a part of Italy that, if you've never been before, you're like, oh, do I really, you know, this is a little out of my comfort zone. But I think that the rewards are so amazing if you try to do it. Agreed. That's awesome. Kathy, thanks again for coming on and kind of sharing your stories and everything that you've kind of went over here. As we close out, just explain to our listeners so that they know they can go to your website at Dream of Italy and you could become a member. How does it work to get the newsletter? 
Yeah, so if you go to dreamofilly.com, you can become a member, and that includes you get actually a bunch of travel discounts, but you get online access to every issue, PDFs of the newsletters we've done, and you can search and look for the places and things that you want to do. And then if you become a member for a year, you get 10 new issues over the coming year. If you opt for the print membership, you actually get them in the mail. People love to get the print version in the mail. And then you can also watch all of the PBS shows on dreamofitaly.com. So it's still appearing. You can look in your Create TV is also showing it. You can look at your local station and see if it's airing. But if you're, you want to see all of them at once or anything like that, you can watch all six episodes at dreamofitaly.com. And there's also a free travel guide. So every place we go to in the show, we have like a paragraph on how to go and do that if you go on a trip. Awesome. Well, again, Kathy, thank you so much for your time. And for those of you listening, as always, we'll summarize the show and some of the main points that Kathy talked about on our website for this episode, which you can find at italianamericanpodcast.com forward slash dream of Italy. That'll be all lowercase dream of Italy. Kathy, thanks for the time. Thank you so much. All right, so at this point, we're going to dive into our Italian-American story segment because you're going to hear a story that Kathy gives us to close out the show about when she went back to Italy. It's kind of sad, but it's also really very touching about her grandfather and how he kind of left this earth in a very powerful and way that he connected back to his heritage. The part I didn't tell you about my story because it's a very long story is My grandfather, who I grew up with, was 93 years old when we went back to the town. And his great dream, he traveled all over the world with my grandmother, but his great dream was to go back to his father's village. And they had gone on a cruise in the 60s. It landed in Naples. He asked the cab driver to take him to Castel Vettere. And the cab driver took him to Castel Vettere in Val Fortuna, totally different town. And the roads weren't good then. It was still sort of the post-war era. And he wasn't sure if they could find the town and get back to the the cruise in time. So when he was 93 and in a nursing home in the U.S., that's when my mother and I went back and went to the town and fulfilled his dream. And what I didn't tell you, the part I didn't tell you about my story is is within 24 hours, my grandfather died in the U.S. And he didn't know or he did. I don't know if he knew. He didn't know by us calling that we had made it back to the town. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's really bizarre. It's almost like a movie. But I have this very deep feeling about going back to the place that you're from. And it might be a fulfillment of somebody's somebody's great dream to do that, and they should Mm. should go. Okay, everyone. So don't forget to connect with us on social media. And also we want to encourage you to sign up for our newsletter where we let you know any new things we're up to. And of course, every podcast episode that we publish, you're the first one to know. You can do that by going to italianamericanpodcast.com and clicking on the join us tab. 
You can also find us on Instagram at Italian American. You can also try the hashtag Italian American Central and you'll find us that way. We're on Twitter at Ital American. That's I-T-A-L American. And we're on Facebook at Italian American Podcast. Cent'anni! Cent'anni!